welcome to this Sunday morning meeting podcast from Kingdom Faith Yorkshire. Today's message is by Paul Abel. And you'll remember a couple of weeks ago, um, I spoke on what I call inheritance. And I call it inheritance because the whole theme that was running through that and will be running through today is what our inheritance is in Christ. It was looking at it perhaps in a, a different way to that we would normally look at um, because our inheritance is the promises of God. It's what God has promised to us and taking hold of those promises. And I want to take that a bit further today. So it's, it's a lot of good stuff coming out today for you to take hold of and say, yes, that is mine. All right, because what was going on in Numbers, and I'm going to remind you if you've probably been talking about it in house church and other studies and things, and please do, because this is a Rima word for us right now. I've been really quite excited to see how many other churches have been speaking almost identically the same thing. It's definitely something that God is saying all over the place. Uh, I spoke from Numbers 13 and 14. The first bit that was really key was that God said to Moses to go and spy out the land, if you remember, or to at least raise up a team of people that would go and spy out the land. And one of the crucial things uh, was that God had said. And one of the crucial things, therefore, for us right now is looking at what has God said, both straight in Scripture but also words and promises that he's given us. And I know that we do this regularly, but that's because we should do it regularly. You know, it's, it's about saying, what is God saying to us? What are we doing with that? Are we taking hold of? Because the whole reason for them exploring the land was to have an idea of what was there so that they could go and take the promised land. And when we read the, pro- the Word of God, it's not so we can enjoy reading or, or just have a good experience. It's so that we can take hold of the promise of God. And when God gives you a prophetic word, it's not so that you can feel excited by it and fill a book full of prophetic words. It's so that you can take hold of that prophetic word so that you see it established. Not just let it float you by, but say, no, I'm taking hold of that. Because we receive everything by faith. Not by, oh, that's great, I wonder when God will do that. It's about taking hold of it and being active in it. Now, they went in and they spied out. And you remember there were two main things that they kind of, two main conclusions that seemed to come from it. The first one, massive fruit. Wow, look what the fruit of the land is. And this is going to be true of prophetic words in your life. And as we read the scripture, we should be getting a sense of, wow, this is amazing what God has for us. Yeah? I mean, you've probably been in that situation many times. But then, unfortunately for those guys, and then for the whole of the, of the nation of Israel, or the people of God at that time, they also say, but there are giants in the land, and we look like grasshoppers in their eyes. And this causes everybody to take their eyes off the promise of God, and look at all the problems, and look at all the issues, and look at all the trouble that there is there. And, you know, we can't blame anybody. We're living through a time when there's a lot of trouble going on, isn't there? This, you know, I'm, I'm fed up with the word because we've used it so much, but these are unprecedented times, okay? I've said it. Sorry. Please forgive me. All right. But they are. And it means that that is like a giant in our face. And there's lots of other giants that go along with that. Like we talked about what it was saying in the newspapers about breakdown in family and friendships. You know, that's a giant 
we don't want that to happen. And there are many, many other things. There's the health challenges and everything else. Having the children under your feet maybe all the time instead of getting a break that you would normally get. All these things can be like giants that would seem to cause us to retreat or even run away from the promises that God has given us. But we are not of the people that run away from the promises of God. We are not that people and this is not that day. Instead, standing from God's perspective, we see that even these giants are mere grasshoppers in the eyes of God. And like Caleb, who was one one of Joshua and Caleb that said, we can surely do this. Caleb said, this is going to happen because God says, not because of how strong they were or because they were a numerous people, but because God has said. And when we read the promises of God, we don't look at our failing, breaking selves. We know that this happens because of God. Okay, we are imperfect. We make mistakes. We hurt people. We let people down. All those things are true of me. And yeah, I go to God and I ask forgiveness but, and God forgives me, but they still happened. And there can still be consequences of these things. But God forgives us. But it's not dependent on me. It's dependent on God. And it's to do with what God does with us. He's not... It's not tied to one specific person. It's about what God has promised. Um, so, and God has made many promises to us. But more importantly is keep coming back to this. And finally then in that was that last scripture. But because my servant Caleb has a different spirit and follows me wholeheartedly, I will bring him into the land he went to and his descendants shall inherit it. This is so key and so important. Caleb had that servant heart. He didn't have a heart that said, I want to be a leader. I want to lead a big army into the land. I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to. His whole perspective was God will. Now with that perspective, he did become a mighty leader. Even at the age of 85, he was leading uh, 40 years after this incident. He was leading the people of God into the land. And so that's when God gave him this inheritance. But he didn't get this promise from God at this time and think, oh, well, it'd be great when that happens. He knew he had to take hold of it. He knew he would be part of that attack. God promised him he would still be alive. You know, if he'd just sat back and let everybody else do it, he wouldn't have seen the fulfillment of this scripture. Promises that God gives us, so many are dependent upon us taking hold of them and saying, okay, thank you, God, I'm going to go with this. Because God doesn't just act like a big Father Christmas in the sky, doling out stuff. It's about us engaging with him and working in partnership with him. It's about that we walk in step with Jesus. It's, it, that's the way God has chosen, us, chosen to work because he is honoring us by saying, I want to work with you and through you. And then all the honor goes to God. And so it says that Caleb had a different spirit uh, This whole different spirit, the whole word there is linked to heart, okay? So in the next book in your Bible, the next book is Ezekiel. In Ezekiel 11, you've got this phrase, and I will give them one heart. Ezekiel is is looking at what God is doing now with his people. He's looking at what God will do with the people of Israel, and that is still true of Jewish people and uh, uh, and the people of Israel today. 
but also Ezekiel, probably without fully realizing it, is talking of the people of the Messiah because Jesus brought the fulfillment of these promises. But you still have to take hold of them. Jesus wants all people everywhere to be saved, but still people have to take hold of those promises of salvation and come to know Jesus in order to be saved, yeah? And it's the same with all these promises of God. I will give them one heart. So it's taking hold of that promise and realizing that's spoken over us and that's true even when it seems the opposite. It's still true in Christ that we have one heart. But it's a question of sometimes taking back hold of that and saying, I'm not letting other stuff in. All right? For all of us. I'm not, I'm not trying to talk about or single out any, any person. If you're thinking, or, you know, if you're sitting there uh, in, um, I don't know, Leeds thinking, oh, he's having a go at me, I'm not. Okay, let the Holy Spirit speak to you, but I'm not. I'm, I just want to outline some of the beauty of these promises. And they're true for all of us. Okay, and this response is true for all of us. Wherever we are in our, in our walk with God, this, this is true. All right, whether you're on fire or whether you're, you know, stumbling at the moment, this is true for all of us. We have one heart. I will give them one heart, and here is the promise that, of course, was really dramatically fulfilled in a completely different way at Pentecost and then continues to be filled and put a new spirit within them. We do have that new Holy Spirit, that spirit of power that enables us to live the way God wants us to live. And I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh. You see, our natural, our natural way, if we, and if we fall back into natural ways, is a heart of stone. What is a heart of stone? It's hard-heartedness. It's, it's not being moved by others' troubles and others' problems. It's losing a heart for the lost. It's not caring about where others are. And his promise is, I will remove the heart of stone and give them a heart of flesh, a heart that, that cares, a heart that is passionate, a heart that loves. That they, now why does he do this? That they may follow my decrees and be careful to keep my laws. In other words, that we would live in the way God has called us to live. Not just doing our own thing and thinking it's okay, but looking at the word and thinking, how is it that God wants me to live? They will be my people and I will be their God. And this is the amazing promise. Now, because of that and because of the wholeheartedness, which we're not going to go into the fullness of the different spirit and wholeheartedness other than what I've just said, he says that his descendants, the descendants of Caleb, will inherit, will take hold of, will possess, will be in covenant relationship with God. That's us. Not just Caleb's physical descendants, but we are the spiritual descendants. Now, who's heard of J247? <laughs> now, if I use J247, uh, most of you are immediately going to be uh, thinking of our children's work. All right? Well, that's not surprising because what happened was two, just over 20 years ago, uh, the elders at Kingdom Faith in Horsham. Uh, asked me to do a sort of theoretical, because I'd come out of teaching, I'd been a head teacher, uh, a theoretical look at what they think uh, God was saying, what, what we could do if there was like a blank slate, which there wasn't. Uh, and so it was just a theory, or at least I thought it was just a theory project to just write anything, you know, of, of what God was doing. And so... 
I did that, uh, and, and looking at children's work in a completely different way. And uh, it all happened. And that was called J247, Jesus 24-7. But what you might not know, um, and, you know, don't get me wrong, that, that's the name that, that, that lasts, and probably because we did those TV programs as well, and the main theme song, which was also a theme song at camp, was also Jesus 24-7. I'm living 24-7 for Jesus, 24-7 for Jesus. Can't remember the rest. <laughs> like, <laughs> which is quite bad. Life with no compromise. I don't want to wear a disguise, but I'm a radical, fanatical, a biblical disciple of him. Living 24-7. Yeah, Dan's doing some of the other bits because we, we learnt the dance that went with it. Maybe, maybe we should show some of that stuff sometime. Or even show one of the programs. Give you a bit of a laugh at how young we all looked. Even Dan, I think he was 13, he was in it. But you'll be surprised at how many people in it that you'd know now as adults that were children then that are in it. I mean, 20 years is a long time. But 24, Jesus 24-7, J24-7, as we often called it, it actually also came from a word that God had given me. And just after Christmas, when God was speaking to me about Numbers 13 and 14, which we often tied together with this, God said, I want you to, to mention that scripture as well, and I want people to take hold of it. Uh, and the scripture is Jeremiah J 24 verse 7. Uh, so that was the other, we used to sometimes tell the kids it was the secret meaning. Okay, it kind of is in a way. Now what is this verse J 24 7? Well, let me just turn to it here in my Bible and read it to you directly from the NIV. 24 7, J 24 7 is, I will give them a heart to know me. So you can see why it immediately tied in, can't you? I will give them a heart to know me, that I am the Lord, they will be my people, and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. And I suppose at the core of what God told me about um, doing something with children was to not treat them like children, but as God's spiritual beings that he wanted to walk in partnership with, that he wanted to fill with the Holy Spirit, and not to think things uh, were just childish, but to, to this promise was over those children. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. It wasn't just about, um, I'm not saying this was what was happening before. Don't get me wrong. This is what God was telling me in terms of do this now. Um, I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord, that, that the children would know God. And this is about an intimate, close relationship, that word know. Okay, this, this is not just know about God or, God forbid, know some great Sunday school teachings. This is about experiencing God because you know the word. Okay, and you can see how this is so completely relevant for us right now as well. It's like God continuously takes you to things that he's spoken to you before and said, and hey, this is what it means to you in this season. You know, you can't get away. Nigel, you saw Nigel playing keys today. You actually saw him on the screen. He's normally hidden in the, in the drum cage. Probably shouldn't call it that. Uh, but he, he, we, we, we put Ellis in the cage this morning. Hey, Ellis, you're not 18 yet, are you? Yeah, you are. That's good. I didn't want to be accused of putting children in cages. Um, <laughs> moving on swiftly. Uh, yeah, it was nice to see Nigel. He wasn't in the cage. But Nigel, Nigel you, uh, you were part J247 back in those days. 
he, he knows what it's like to be on the J24-7 team. He was one of those adults. Oh boy, did those adults serve God on that team. We had an absolutely amazing team of adults because everything was about serving and equipping the children. You know, you get you get 10-year-olds preaching and 10-year-olds leading the worship and 14-year-olds on the keyboard and everything else. And uh, the adults fitted around them because it was all about enabling them. Even Children even did the, the sound desk at, at the back in uh, Roffey Place there where we used to meet. Uh, and, and they had to have such a heart, servant heart because, you know, they didn't get to speak or rarely. Uh, they didn't even, as time went on, get to run the discipleship mentoring groups. They just mentored and looked after the leaders of those groups who were teenagers leading the children's groups. So they, they, they were an amazing team. But why were they an amazing team? Because they got this vision. I will give them a heart to know me. They were a people like Nigel over there that knew their God. And because they knew their God, they knew our God is a servant-hearted God. And so to be like God, you have to be servant-hearted. Uh, but also you've got this wonderful promise, they will be my people and I will be their God. And so we expected and we prayed over them and we knew that there were mighty calls of God even within that room. And I tell you what, it is amazing how many of them are serving God in such a fruitful way today. And a lot of it is the grace that, uh, of God and what he imparted in those days. Because these kids didn't come along to something, they were part of something and they did stuff. Um, this is why house church is so important, why I keep talking about it. You know, you'll hear me throw it in again and again, because those are places like those crew groups and discipleship groups that we used to have with the kids, where everybody can get the opportunity to bring a word or to pray or to minister or, or sing something out loud or, or say what the vision is. You know, we can't do that here at the moment, but we can do it on Zoom when we're in the smaller groups. Very easily. It doesn't just have to be those, you know, when you're with friends or when you're in the prayer room, wherever it is, those are really good opportunities for everybody to walk in this being God's people. But yes, together, we are God's people. Just look at the people around you. And if you haven't got anybody with you, imagine the people around you, you know, and think, actually, they are God's people. That is his description. I will be their God that's exciting in itself. You should get lost on just that phrase. It was a bit simple, and it? I will be their God. No, think about what that means. Think, really think about what it means to have Elohim, Jehovah, your God. I will be your God. Think of everything you know about Jesus from the Gospels. I will be your God. I will serve you. Whoa. Even as you serve me. This is no remote smoke you with a mighty lightning bolt Zeus. This is the God that wants to know you personally. I will be your God. For they will return to me with all their heart. They will be wholehearted. They will be of a different spirit. And when we are wholehearted and of a different spirit, we will inherit all the promises of God. Now the context of this promise being spoken was to a group of people who were exiles. These were the Jewish people at that time, the people of Israel or the people of Judea from Jerusalem, who had been carried off into exile by Nebuchadnezzar, the king of Babylon. So you've got really two groups of Jewish people at this time. You've got the Jewish people who are still uh, in, in Jerusalem under uh, Zedekiah. And you've got the people that have all been carried off. I, I don't know if they were literally carried off, but taken off. People like Daniel. Uh, uh, and they are in Babylon. Now, Babylon is 
so often in Scripture just a metaphor for being totally in the wrong place or being completely of the world. So the obvious conclusion in this is that the people in Babylon are, are, are the one, and you've got the people in Jerusalem, God's chosen city, the people in Babylon, an obvious conclusion is God's going to work with the people who are in Jerusalem, that's God's place, not the ones that got carried off. That's the obvious conclusion. If you could reason out, you know, the, the future of God working with his people, if you reasoned it out, it's obviously going to be those who've remained in the city. Well, that obvious conclusion is the wrong conclusion. And this is what happens a lot with God. You know, you have, you've got something... Uh, but you make the obvious conclusion rather than the God conclusion because God's conclusion takes into account everything. Like David being chosen for king. He was not the obvious person to choose. <coughs> Beg your pardon. But God chose him. Jacob and Esau. Esau was the one to choose. He was the obvious one. He was the one, the twin that was born first. He was the older one. God chose Jacob. Out of all the brothers, God chose Joseph. What? Why? But God knew what he was about. And so we have to be careful that we don't make obvious conclusions. And that's really, if you read through Jeremiah 24, and we're running out of time, but if you read through Jeremiah 24, what God is doing is saying, actually, the future is with the ones in Babylon, the ones that have been exiled. Why? Well, some of it is speculation. Some of it we know. The people in Jerusalem were a little bit complacent. We're in the right place. <laughs> you know, maybe just even a bit full of pride. Sometimes I used to say to the children, just because you are in the church and you're Christi your parents are Christians and go to church, doesn't mean you're going to be in the right place when you're an adult. You've got to make choices. But it's true of us as adults as well. You see, we didn't treat children as children. Children have to make their own choices. <coughs> they can't be forced. They shouldn't be forced. But they do need the information. But again, isn't that true of so many people in the world right now? We can never force people to become Christians. You've lost the plot when you get there. It's always a free choice. God offers, offers salvation freely. But people need the information to make the right choices because they haven't always got it. So, but, yeah, maybe the people in Israel were a bit like, you know, well, we're entitled to it. We're in the right place. Those people that got carted off, you know, they're obviously the sinners. And it's so easy to judge and think you're on the side that's right. And we have to retain that sense of humility of saying, what is it that you are doing, God? In Jeremiah 23, the chapter before, Jeremiah really addresses the prophets that are just bringing self-fulfillment. And, um, you know, he's really addressing the prophets that are saying, you're just speaking to the crowd. You're just giving them what they want. And you're just... Uh, you're just speaking the things you want to hear. It's like being on Facebook or Twitter when their algorithms put you together with all the like-minded people and you just get affirmed in whatever you're into. One of the, uh, you've probably heard of QAnon, the big conspiracy theorist group that's grown so much. And one of the things they did was they infiltrated well wellness groups. And wellness groups are, you know, looking to be healthier in a spiritual kind of way. It's often 
a few steps removed from God. But you know what? Anybody that's seeking more is actually seeking God. Now, uh, those wellness groups were, were infiltrated. Uh, uh, I won't go into how it was done or, or anything because it would take too much time. But gradually, people were affirmed in what they believed, but taken a little bit deeper until they started to believe the stories of the, of the deep state and really the lies and the deception that was going on and continues to go on through that group. And it drew them away from not just a wellness understanding, but into conspiracies. So people were getting caught up with it and are getting caught up with it who, uh, because they've come from somewhere else. But the way they do it is to use a similar way of just affirming where you are and constantly reinforcing your own narrative. And this is why it's important that we, as Christians, we really have to be into this, the Word of God, because the Word of God is like a sword and it cuts between bone and marrow, it says, to try and describe it. It's really sharp because we want to be free from just what people say. This is what I was saying last time when I spoke on inheritance. We don't just want to hear the word of a Christian leader because we could end up in the same group. Now, we do want to be under the leaders that God has put it, but we're still reading the word and knowing the word and taking hold of the promises of God straight from Scripture so that we can stay straight and true to what it is that God is saying rather than being affirmed and I think that was, you could look at that as some of what was happening there in Jerusalem, that they were being affirmed in their own self-thoughts. Well, we're obviously in the right place, so we're, we're the right people at the right time, uh, not like that lot that have been carted off. But God said, well, that's the wrong conclusion. But they weren't really interested in what God was saying because they've got all these false prophets, see Jeremiah 23, affirming, just saying what they wanted to hear. Because false prophets, what they like to do is, it's like the Word of God, but usually it's, it, it builds up a status for them as well. You know, oh, they hear the Word of God. And people say they hear the Word of God because they like what they've said and it's encouraged them and built them up. So they do more of the same. It's easy to get into that. The true prophet of God, like the true preacher of God, will very often make you feel very uncomfortable and challenged because they're not trying to build an audience. They're just trying to be obedient to God. You know, take our great example of Pastor Colin. He's not very good at making people comfortable. <laughs> In fact, I don't know if he's ever done that. He's so concerned to bring the word of God. He, 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 he will address a huge congregation and not care if he's only got 10 left at the end of the morning. If he's brought the word of God in the way God wants him to bring it, he will be happy because he knows he's done what God has wanted him to. That's his heart. So when you're looking for the prophets and preachers, make sure they're not always just making you feel good. Because if they are, that's dangerous. And that's what Jeremiah had identified. And then he brings the actual word of God to the people. Uh, let's just very quickly look at it, even though it's gone on. If you've got to go off, you could always switch off, you know, switch off and come back later. I'm going to take about five more minutes, okay? The Lord asked me, Jeremiah, what do you see, Jeremiah? See, this is often the way the Lord works. He'll ask us, what do you see? When the Lord asks you, it's a bit like the Lord telling the people to go into the promised land, okay? When the Lord asks you something like this, he's not asking for your opinion. He's not asking, you know, well, what do you reckon on this? He's asking you to look at it from his perspective because God's perspective is not the obvious one. And if you don't know the answer, 
if God is showing you something, maybe in a vision or in the word, when you answer the God, when you answer God, you always do what, what Jeremiah does here, and you give a very simple answer. You don't try and add in your little bit. To, you know, we, we're very good at adding in little bits to make it look like we're cleverer than we are. You know, Jeremiah doesn't do that. And, and actually, really, you're trying to look cleverer than you are before God. <laughs> oh, we're, we're, we're so daft, aren't we, sometimes? Figs, says Jeremiah, there are good ones that are very good and poor ones that are so bad they cannot be eaten. He's showing them the two different people groups, okay? The people in exile and the people in Jerusalem. Then the word of the Lord came to me. This is what the Lord, the God of Israel says. Like these figs, I regard as good the exiles from Judea whom I sent away from this place to the land of the Babylonians. My eyes will watch over them for their good and I will bring them back to this land. I will build them up and not tear them down. I will plant them and not uproot them. Now, these are promises for us to take hold of right now. I'm not going to go into these now and it's probably good not to because we need to. We need to talk about what does this mean for us. We're the good figs, okay? It's not an assumption. We're not doing what the exiles did. I mean, we could choose to be the bad figs, I guess, but that's not what God is saying over us. That's not what God is saying to us. I mean, your obvious conclusion is a church in Scarborough ain't going to make much difference to things. That's the obvious conclusion. It's not God's. I will plant them and not uproot them. Then you get the verse J, J 24-7. I will give them a heart to know me that I am the Lord. They will be my people and I will be their God, for they will return to me with all their heart. So the Caleb people, the wholehearted people of a different spirit taking hold of the promised land, these are the people God can work with, even if they're currently in Babylon. So we cannot be even in the place God wants us to be. But if we will return to God with all our heart and we will serve him wholeheartedly, if we have a different spirit, well, there's no limit. God says you're good figs. But the poor figs, which are so bad they cannot be eaten, says the Lord, so will I deal with Zedekiah, the king of Judah, the officials and the survivors from Jerusalem, whether they remain in this land or whether they live in Egypt. And he carries on talking. You can read it. It's not what you want to ever have over you. But it's because they've got that kind of entitlement. It's because they're in that self-affirmed place. It's because they're not taking hold of the promises of God. They're just assuming they're all right because of where they are and what they've been brought up in and the traditions they've got. Now, that's not to just, we're not talking about the traditions of, of other church congregations. We're talking about our traditions. We're not all right just because we, we've, we've grown up in kingdom faith or another great church and then come into kingdom faith. We're not all right. We're constantly putting ourselves before God and saying, test my heart. Where is my heart in this God? Where have I been deceived? Because the problem with deception is if, when I'm deceived, I don't know I'm deceived. That's what deception is. So everybody says, well, no, I'm not deceived. You don't know. Because if you are, you don't know. It always takes other people speaking the word of God or God himself speaking directly to reveal that to you. So we have to have that open heart that says, I'm not always right. I'm not always right. Oh God, how I've got it wrong. Forgive me, Lord. But I pray the one thing I have got, even if I don't always seem like it, is a heart to God correcting me or the word of God coming to me from others. I mean, I usually 
I'm walking with a confident stride, hearing the word of God. So you might think I'm not like that. Of course I am. I want you to know that I'm doing my utmost to hear the word of God to bring to you. You don't want me going around saying, oh, I don't know if I've heard God or not this week. Because that's not genuinely how I feel anyway. But it's not going to help you, is it? If I just seem like dribbly-drobbly all the time, whatever that means. No, we're the good fix, people. Everybody watching. Everybody. That's part of this congregation and the extended congregation. We are the good figs. Meditate on that. Get into what does it mean to be good figs? The ones ready to be eaten. If you notice that the vision, they were an offering before the temple. So that had been the first fruits offering. What does that mean for us? We're the first fruits offering in this sense for our season, for our time. We're that really great bunch of figs, not the rotten smelly ones. We don't want to be accounted with that lot, do we? We don't want to fool ourselves into ending up in that basket. We want to have a Caleb spirit, a different spirit, following God wholeheartedly. You say, oh, well, I, I haven't. There's been times when I've, I've gone, you know, completely astray. You know, that, that's what God is about, restoring those who've gone astray. Now you say, well, I'm not sure. I have followed God wholeheartedly. Does that mean I'm a bad fig? That's not what's being said at all. Listen, God's saying you're a good fig. God's saying, come back. Follow me. Jesus always says, come, follow me. Wherever you've been, whatever you've been doing, wherever you are, good place, bad place, on top of the world, in the deep, deepness of a pit, God just says to you, come, follow me. Come on, let's escape to the mountains together. Let's spend some time together and let me talk to you. So let's take hold of these promises of God. Amen. Praise God. I hope you've been blessed by that this week. Um, I think that uh, there's a lot to think about in that whole, as I say, summed up by the word inheritance. That is particularly what I'm talking about. Talk about why did I give it that title, maybe. And, and let everybody have a... The thing when we have a discussion and we talk about what God's saying is that we should be open to it being changed. Because we don't... When we hear God, so often we just hear part of what God is saying. That's the way he works. He works with his body. Even as, even as leaders... Obviously, he's going to give me directional and visionary words. But even so, it's collectively what God is saying. You know, that, that's my role. That's, that's what God has called me to. But it doesn't set me apart on a pedestal. We still all have to hear God together and in our groups and in our teams, in the worship team here. You know, you guys, everybody here, come Sundays with what you think God is saying and, and share it. It's a bit like that scripture Brian put in... Uh, the live chat, you know, and then it became part of the service. And we, I read it out, and I think God was doing stuff in that word, and we ministered from that word. And Brian wasn't even in the room. We need a lot of that, that openness to God working through all of us, because he's given us a heart to know him. He's to know that he is Lord. We are his people. He is our God, because we return into him. And it's a constant decision. Not just a once-off, I've done it, and then I've failed. It's a constant decision to return to God. Return to God. Return to God. Amen? So be encouraged. Nothing in this is to put you in a bad place. Nothing in this is most of ain't you spe- it, it, God, as, as God wanting you to feel bad. Nothing. God wants you to be encouraged and to follow him. 
Sometimes there's some repentance, but God doesn't even want you to feel bad in repentance. Repentance is about just changing your mind and doing it God's way. He's not, he's not judging you. He's not castigating you. He's not having a shout at you. He's just saying, come on. Let's go up the mountains together. Let's have a great time together, shall we? Return to me. Amen. God bless you, everybody. Have an absolutely awesome week. Whatever's going on, you can have an awesome week because God is with you. God bless you. See you next time. Thank you for listening to this Kingdom Faith podcast. We trust it's been an encouragement to you. For more information and resources by Kingdom Faith and for our other audio and video podcasts, please visit kingdomfaith.com forward slash Yorkshire.